Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. Ashish, how are you today? I'm well, Wayne. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. It's a bit cold here uh, in southern New England. Last week, we were talking about a taste of spring. Now we're having a, a taste of the winter that's not quite over, but fine. Absolutely. So, I went I went for a walk this morning and it was pretty chilly. So uh, looking forward to warmer weather. But anyway, let's get so, started. Yeah. So can you just give sort of this week's general assessment of the pandemic and the vaccine rollout here in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Things are cooking along pretty well. Um, This weekend was a good weekend. We vaccinated 6 million people over the weekend, 3 million a day uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Those are incredible numbers. Uh, Our overall daily average is right about two and a half million a day. Again, far cry from a million a day that president Biden had mentioned back in December when he first um, made a promise of 100 million shots in 100 days. Um, And I think we're at two and a half million a day now. I think we're going to get to three million a day pretty consistently in the next couple of weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised if we could do better than that. I I mean, vaccine rollout is just going like gangbusters. and, And thank goodness. So this is quite related to that. Uh, polling consistently shows that there are large numbers of Republicans and males, especially who do not want to be vaccinated. And, and I'm sure there are different reasons for, for these different voters. But Dr. Fauci was on the Sunday talk shows suggesting that former President Trump should encourage them. What's, what's your take on all that? Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about this. Um, We've focused a lot on vaccine hesitancy in different groups, but the group that I'm most worried about is um, white male Republican conservative voters uh, who seem to be the, have the highest level of, of hesitancy. And the question is why? Why is there so much hesitancy? And then, of course, what do we do about it? I think the main reason is because for a year they have been getting bombarded with false information that this is not a big deal. This is no more worse than the flu, that this is uh, not something that's going to get you into trouble. And when you hear that for a year and you think something is a hoax and then there's a vaccine against it, it's going to be hard to get motivated uh, to get vaccinated. I think that's one part of it. The other part is the people who spent the last year saying that the the disease was a hoax, a lot of them are now spending their time saying, you know, gibberish about the vaccine, that it's somehow going to control your body and do mind control. And it's got nanoparticles and, and all sorts of stuff. 
So I feel really bad for folks who are kind of inundated with this kind of information. And it's no surprise. You see a lot of hesitancy in that group. What I think is necessary is people um, to engage with, with people who are hesitant. And so I think it's really unfortunate that President Trump chose to get his vaccine uh, in secret. Uh, he's, he got vaccinated while he was at the White House. That should have been a public event. He should have made that. He can still cut an ad now talking about getting vaccinated, why it's important and why people should do it. He has a lot of credibility with a lot of Americans. And I think that would be enormously important. It's not just President Trump, though. I want to hear religious leaders. I want to hear political leaders uh, talk about the importance of vaccinations. It's for it's really for people's good. It's for their communities. It's for their families. Uh, I, I think we can get there, Wayne, but I'm worried about this demographic. I think we have not paid enough attention to it. But you do think that with a proper effort, minds can be changed. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, these most of these folks are not kind of anti-vaccine at heart. Uh, they have just been barraged with a lot of misinformation. And I think with better information and from trusted messengers, they really their minds can be changed. So I want to take a look at the globe. Um, obviously, you just gave an assessment of the United States. But if you go abroad, you find a, a markedly different picture, almost nation by nation. So Taiwan, granted, it's an island nation. It's got 25 million people. They've had only had about 10 deaths and only about 1,000 cases. And on the other hand, we now have Italy heading once again into a lockdown. How do you account for such differences beyond sort of the obvious that an island nation that's small is easier to control than a country like Italy with with porous borders and, and a lot of people coming and going? Yeah, um, two things. One is there are other countries that are not even island nations like Vietnam that have done an extraordinary job. So one of the reasons why some countries have done so well is because they've just really adhered strongly to public health measures. Uh, they've uh, shut things down or had public health restrictions when things got bad, but mostly they've used testing and tracing and other public health tools, and they've been able to manage their way through this pandemic. You know, Italy, I'm feeling, a lot of European countries I'm really worried about right now, Wayne, because for them, the issue is twofold. One is that B117, the variant from the UK, is really taking off there. So, by the way, it's also really taking off here. We can come back to that. Um, but the big difference for why Italy is in trouble and going into a lockdown and we are not and our numbers are looking a bit better every day is the vaccinations. Uh, Europe, just outside of the UK, uh, most European countries are just not vaccinating people. They don't have the vaccines. They didn't plan for this effectively. And so they are in trouble um, with the B117 variant, where the reason America is largely avoiding big spikes right now is because we're doing such a good job of vaccinating. So it just shows you the power of vaccinations as a way out of this, um, even if you're not doing a great job on public health measures. So as always, we have some audience questions. And I once again, like to thank our audience for, for listening, getting in touch. And, you know, I get a lot of comments from people in email. So here's one. Should a recovered person seek the vaccine, recovered meaning had COVID and is recovered, and then can a recovered person with no, no ongoing symptoms follow the same guidelines as a vaccinated person? Ah, two good questions related. 
So should recovered people get vaccinated? Absolutely. Um, we've, we've been largely recommending that people wait 90 days um, after recovery or after their symptom onset. So if you just had COVID last month and are now better, you probably don't need to go get vaccinated right now. You can wait 90 days. Um, there's some theoretical reasons to wait 90 days you, uh, as well, but you absolutely need your vaccine, which actually gets to the second point. And, and this is going to sound counterintuitive to people, but we think that you get a better immunologic response with a vaccination than you might with the disease itself. We don't know that for sure. There's some disagreement on this. Um, there are uh, instances of vaccines doing a better job uh, eliciting an immune response. So that's my way of saying, if you've been recently infected and within the last 90 days and recovered, it's probably reasonable to assume that you um, are as protected as somebody who's been immunized. But if you got infected last March and recovered, I don't know that I would feel as comfortable assuming that your immune status is as good as somebody who's been recently infected. And so I would go ahead and get vaccinated and I'd still be a little bit more careful than if you were fully vaccinated. So here's a question from a fellow blood donor. I've given blood for many, many years, many gallons. I did uh, twice during the early stage of the pandemic last year, and then I stopped when we, we began to have the surge in, in late last year. So here's the question. I donate blood every eight weeks, and good for this person. Will getting the vaccine affect my donation? Also, just curious if receiving blood with a vaccine slash antibodies helps the recipients to become immune? Good questions. Um, so if you've been vaccinated, you can absolutely give blood. I, I can't come up with any clinical reasons why you couldn't. Um, and so then the question around, uh, will it help the person receiving it? Probably not. Uh, two reasons. Uh, first of all, there is such a thing as convalescent plasma, where we give plasma of people who have recovered. And more and more, the data says it doesn't really actually do that much. And so even if they took the plasma from your blood donation and gave it, uh, it, might, you know, it might help on the margins, but not much. You're going to have some antibodies. But remember, it doesn't actually create immunity in the person who receives it, because yes, they may get some passive antibodies in their plasma, but they're not going to stick around for a long time. You need your body to make antibodies. Uh, so you're not passing on immunity to somebody else. You're, um, uh, they need those people, the recipient needs to get uh, vaccinated themselves. So this isn't really a question, but it's a comment. Uh, you'll recall last week, someone had a question, what is COVID on? And, and you hadn't heard that term. And to your great credit, you acknowledge you hadn't heard that term as opposed to making something up or, or fudging it. So I'm a regular listener to the COVID What Comes Next podcast. Heard the question about COVID arm. And this person who has an epidemiological background said COVID arm is a colloquial term referring to irritation around the injection site that has been reported by recipients of the Moderna vaccine as occurring well after other reactions have gone away. And yep. this, per this person gives a reference to an article in the New England Journal of Medicine. So uh, maybe that clarify things and, and maybe you have something to add to that or. No, exactly right. And I'm, I appreciate that person. There was that article in the New England Journal. I found it after our discussion last week um, where we have seen with the Moderna vaccine, you know, very small proportion. Uh, we didn't really see it much in the clinical trials. Um, I got the Moderna vaccine. I didn't have anything like this. Uh, I had the standard two days of kind of sore arm, but um, where some people 
days or even weeks, weeks out, uh, will have uh, irritation around the vaccination site, even a lump, redness. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a delayed reaction. Uh, and our sense is that it will get better over time. It does get better over time, but uh, that's what people were referring to. So I appreciate your listener tracking down the answer and, and sharing with people. Thank you. So uh, we'll see you again in a week. Stay safe, Ashish. Thank you as always, and take care. I, lo- I look forward to it. Thank you, Wayne, and be well and enjoy the week. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.